the Ursus Claws! Welcome to episode 120 of the Age of Darkest podcast. Today, we have a very special one. Uh, we're so excited to be able to do uh, this again. It's been way too long. Darren, you want to tell the fine people out there what we're doing? Yeah, we're following the big theme of alternative heresy. So it, there's loads of it around at the moment. You've got the What If episodes, you've got uh, MCU and everything else. So we're, we're jumping back on something we've done loads of times in the past and looking at what else could have changed in the heresy. Could Horus have won? Would there have been a point where Gilliman wasn't a um, empire-building spoiled brat, basically? Let's go with that. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to go with that. I yeah, yeah, no, I was going to go. I was having to think about that one. So, yeah, looking forward to this. These are always quite good fun, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So this is like the best thing that we do. Um, we're always so excited to be uh, uh, to do this competition. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't think we have any major uh, anything to talk about in the intro. Right. Um, is there a, 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 any big news that um, we could talk about that will be massively out of date by the time this episode drops? Yes. Warhawk is coming out next week. As, as a that's pre-order. useless because it'll already it'll have been out for a month by the time this episode drops. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. It's the most but useless of useless. If you can travel back in time, <laughs> then you're good. Yeah, that, that's weird though. They're, 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 uh, Darren was just telling me that they're putting them all the editions out at the same time. Uh, it's and because it's they start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's because they start releasing them in Australia early by mistake. That the floodgates are already starting to open. Yeah. So. Yeah, the horse is bolted. Well, to be fair uh, though, it's not often the Australians get something before the rest of us, is it? No, so, that's true. You know, no, I don't. <laughs> that's true. I don't we'll, we'll, we'll give them, them that bit. one. No, we'll give them that one. Oh, no, that's fair. That's fair. If anything, they they they, they, they should have first dibs on a lot of stuff, considering uh, how long they have to wait for everything and how like inflated the prices are. So, um, respect to uh, respect and empathy to our Australian brothers and sisters. Again, I'm going to hope to get the special edition. Like, it would suck so much if I... Like, how many are left? Like, four? Like, four or five books? I don't think it's clear, but they're uh, probably going to go to 10, 12. Three. three? Yeah, three. They're only going up to book eight, aren't they? And this is six. Oh. It's this one, Aaron Dembski-Bowden and Dan Abnett uh, in... Uh, well, who knows what the order will be, but it's probably Dan Abnett last. But yeah. Uh, I think that would Chris be fair Ro- in, 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 you know, yeah. fine. Yeah, so three, three left, including Warhawk. Oh boy, it would suck if I missed one. Um, thankfully, uh, anyway, I'll I'll do my best to get one on time. But anyway, the queue the queue system seems to be quite good though. So ho- hopefully, hopefully it all works out for everybody. I just hope everybody that wants one can get one. I mean, I don't. Yes, it shouldn't be so limited that um, inflated co- copies at inflated cost wind up being scalped on eBay within twenty minutes. Like yeah. it shouldn't be that rare. I, I really wish it was uh they, they should do like uh they could they could do a um i guess uh um um you know like an order where everybody could just order <laughs> everybody that wants one has like a window to order it they've done that plenty of times plenty of different yeah things. like they did it with the latest kill team box right the octarius mm-hmm. wish they did that with curse city but whatever um that should be a that would be a better business model for um for games workshop but uh, there could be some moving parts somewhere that it might not be possible to do i, I have no idea uh, what their supply chain looks like as far as the uh, the special edition books are concerned. But I know a lot of people get left out of them. A lot of people have given up collecting them because they miss one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's kinda, mm-hmm. It kind of sucks. Um, but uh, here's hoping that by the time you're listening to this, I have my copy of Warhawk. Yeah, we're all hoping Fingers for that. crossed. 
All right. And uh, on that note, um, we should be, uh, um, we've gotten lots of fantastic feedback for the last Siege of Terra uh, special that we did. Worth saying now that we're, we're definitely uh, going forward with them. We should be doing first wall probably next month or so. Um, so keep stay tuned for that. And if you haven't listened to the, um, the Siege specials, uh, check them out. Even if you, if you have no intention of reading the book, we go through it in, in, in quite a bit of detail. Um, so uh, check that out. But before we do all that, like we, we should talk about this huge news that happened this weekend. Giant news. Babylon 5's coming back. Yes, I was, I was wondering how long it was going to take us to get onto that. Yes. No, let's um, do it right now. It, it's interesting. It's certainly interesting, especially for one member of this podcast crew who has not seen the original, but we're not going to mention their name. Ooh. But Young. yeah, it, uh, um, I'm nervous. I am nervous because whenever there's a remake, there's always a bit for that uh, tentacles. But an, an updated Babylon Five with modern special effects—they were—they were pretty good at the time. But yeah, I, I quite like to see an updated Mimbari cruiser. Oh, it's going to be! I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm really excited. This is the first time it's been years, it's been like a decade and decade and a half that they've uh, talked from time to time about this show coming back uh, from in one form or another. I remember about uh, six, seven years ago. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski had talked about uh, possibly doing a movie uh, because he owns the movie rights, but not the TV rights. That's owned by Warner Brothers. So he gave up on Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers didn't care about the show. Um, and, and and so he wanted to do a movie. That didn't, nothing happened with that. And and then you have the Lost Tales in the 2000s and uh, th- it just wasn't profitable. And, and so it's been years. Like, what's going to happen? Um, I, I think maybe that the, the fact that it went on to HBO Max last year uh, with somewhat updated special effects uh, or at least cleaned up special effects uh, that might have uh, given some more interest in the show. But uh, apparently from, uh, from what, from everything I've read um, it, it's going to be on the CW uh, for those that don't know uh, the CW is uh, the, 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 ch- uh, the, the, the network, it's on network television, not on streaming. So it, it's the, the channel that like was doing supernatural and does all the, uh, the DC shows so like Supergirl and flash and arrow Many of them are really good. Like I, 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 I loved at least uh, the the first couple seasons of, the, uh, of Arrow were amazing. Uh, I thought Supergirl is is delightful. Uh, they they know how to make uh, good sci-fi uh, television. And from what I understand, from everything I've read from from uh, J. Michael um, uh, uh recently, they're, they're incredible. There's some huge Babylon Five fans that have been pushing like within the networks that that, that then pushing about it. They're super excited about it. JMS will be the, the showrunner and he's already working on the pilot. So this is actually fucking happening. So the big question we need to ask is what are we going to get first season one of the Babylon five reboot or iron havocs? <laughs> you fucking ass. <laughs> Look, and, and what will you be more excited by? I can, I can, I can, I can deal with converting iron havocs. But like New Babylon Five, I mean, like I can't imagine anything I want more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's uh, going to be like a reimagining a little bit. Like it, it, it's a it is a reboot, and I think a lot of people are disappointed that's a reboot, not a like a separate show within the same universe. Uh, um, it, it's going to be interesting how it works out, considering we know the story arc. The, the story arc, I think, is going to be modified slightly. Jamal uh, 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 um JMS uh, was talking about because uh, I'm having trouble uh, pronouncing Straczynski for some reason. JMS um, has been uh, uh, talking about how uh, he's he's looking at it from the ground up. Doesn't mean he's going to tear everything down, but 
he doesn't want to do the same thing twice. Why would you do the same thing twice? And also thinking of with all his experience over the last two decades, I mean, he got a, he got an Oscar for uh, changeling. He got, you know, uh, he did sensate, which was a, uh, which is a huge critical success. He's done. He's been doing comics for like two decades now. Um, he, he, he's got a lot more experience. So right now he's thinking it's like, okay, I'm not, I can't write the same thing I wrote 25 years ago. So let's write, um, the same concepts, like think about like who, who I am now and what can I write now? But he's given like he's been given all the powers. That was that, that's what I was afraid of, that like the, a network would, you know, strip him of any powers to be able to do uh, what he wanted. And, and apparently he can he, he's he, he's the showrunner. He's writing the pilot right now. This is really fucking exciting. Um, and outside of that, I don't think there's anything new that we need to talk about. Let's you guys want to talk about some alternate heresies. Yes, please. Yep. <laughs> you don't say please. Let's do it. Please. Right. Let's go through the quick kind of summary of the rules and explore uh, what the the background for your heresy is. So the idea behind this is that um, the listeners, people out there, had an option of either calling us live or sending in an audio file. Now, people have record, often recorded these in various different ways. Some people record them as like news reports. Some people record them as like a primark recounting the events or a historian recount or remembrancer recounting of the events. Or some people have just been very factual and talk about it like it was if it's a, a TED talk about alternative heresy. Whatever way it works, there was a six-minute limit on this. And with all good uh, alternative heresy, um, alternative histories, there had to be a clear point of departure, a, a point in time, whether that was during the Great Crusade or at any point of heresy where a individual's or a group's decisions changed what would happen, creating an alternative timeline. Now, thank you very much to everyone who sent uh, those in. We had about six entries in the end, didn't we, JP? Six or seven? Uh, we have uh, four uh, recorded entries. There are two of our listeners that decided to uh, or chose to uh, do their entries live. So we'll bring them in at the end, I believe. Uh, so we'll do the recorded ones uh, um, uh, that were sent in. And then um, at the end, we'll bring in we'll open we'll we'll open the phone lines and bring in our, and bring in those that want to do it live. Excellent stuff. And, you know, we want to reward for people who put this effort in as well, particularly one who's. Uh, Alternative heresy, we we enjoy the most because there's always one that kind of stands out after a lot of discussion and argument amongst the three of us about who stands out. So as a prize, uh, we actually have a copy of the Blood of the Emperor anthology, which is the third of the uh, Primarch series anthologies, um, which is often stories set in the Great Crusade. It's quite a good one. There's, there's some nice ones in that one, including a Horus origin story, which I particularly enjoyed. So whoever wins, we'll post a copy out to that person, wherever they are. Even if you are in Australia, it may take you six years to get there, but <laughs> you'll get a copy. So shall we get on? Absolutely. Okay. So our first alternate heresy is going to be our uh, uh, returning champion, uh, Graham. Hi, this is Graham Sanders. My heresy what-if tale begins at the very end of the Unification Wars. The Emperor and Malkador the Sigilite by fair means and foul, have united mankind under a single flag for the first time in countless millennia. In his infinite wisdom, the emperor of mankind has realized that the only way to safeguard humanity is to protect them from the predations of the warped dwelling creatures known as the Chaos Demons. 
The Emperor's plan to do so is to raise himself as a power greater in the war than any of the known Chaos Gods. To do this, he needs the belief of every human soul in the galaxy to manifest a suitably immense and powerful avatar in the warp, strong enough to overcome the combined schemes of the Chaos Gods. Accordingly, Malkador has been instructed to enforce the gospel of the Emperor's ascension to Godhood and to spread the teachings of the Imperial Truth. Citizens of Terra, please listen to the words of the Prophet Malkador. I bring to you news passed down to me by our Lord and Saviour, the Emperor of Mankind. Humanity is assailed by all sides, by enemies both seen and unseen. The green-skinned threat is even now on our very doorstep. Beyond the solar system, the elven carrots raid our frontier outposts. The mutant and the cyber threaten us from within. And worse yet, unimaginable threats have now been discovered in the war, which threaten the very fabric of our reality. I beg of you, bend your every thought and pray to the majesty of the Emperor to overcome the insidious forces which threaten to overwhelm us. Unfortunately, forced religion does not fit well with humanity. Despite the propaganda and enforced doctrines of the imperial truth, belief in the emperor wanes with every passing day. Instead of strengthening the emperor's avatar in the warp, his potency in the immaterium grows ever weaker. Without the power of belief to nourish and sustain the emperor's form in the warp, the chaos gods become ever more emboldened and begin to make brazen attacks against humanity, both in the warp and in real space. Reports of manifestations of nightmarish beasts become more and more commonplace, whilst garbled accounts of attacks by impossible ghouls become everyday news. In order to regain control of his fledgling Imperium, the Emperor launches a great crusade. Fleets of spacefaring vessels are launched in a desperate attempt to combat this new threat to humanity. Aboard these mighty warships are the Legiones Astartes, who will enforce the will of the Emperor by the power of the gun. However, these mortal warriors are wholly unprepared against the malicious powers of the warp and are ignorant about the nightmarish demons they will face. Whole expeditionary fleets are lost in the warp. Entire legions of Astartes are defeated by hordes of gibbering horrors whose very forms flicker and change from moment to moment. The sanity of navigators is twisted and destroyed in ever more visceral apparitions of warp-born creatures. The Imperium is on the verge of collapse. Emperor demand, nay begs your belief. The predators in the warp threaten to snuff out the very existence of reality. Please send your thoughts and prayers to the God Emperor. Only with the strength of your belief can he save your souls. Of course, by this point, belief in the God Emperor is at an all-time low. The light of the Astronomicon has faded, making travel in the Immaterium fickle and perilous. Warp creatures prey on the blind vessels in the warp, picking them off at will. Intergalactic communication is impossible, as the chorus of astropaths is silenced by the roiling storms in the Immaterium. The citizens of the Imperium now search for a stronger leader. They have lost faith in the crazed and desperate peddler of fantastical untruths, who claims, against all evidence, to be the god of mankind. Just when all seems lost, a new hope appears. A warrior prince claiming to be the son of the Emperor is found on the hive world of Chthonia. 
All who meet him say that his eyes burn with unrestrained power and that his very being reverberates with limitless energies. Despite the hazards of warp translation, the Emperor's son travels to Terra miraculously unscathed. Naming himself Horus Lupercal, he appears in orbit around Terra and challenges the Emperor to meet him aboard his flagship for single combat. The Emperor appears on Horus's flagship as a frail and broken man. Without the nourishing power of belief, he is nothing but an ancient and weak man, old beyond knowing, who is challenged in real space by his supremely powerful son and assailed in the warp by the immeasurable strength of the Chaos Gods. The outcome is swift. The Emperor's spirit is snuffed out in the warp, just as his mortal form is defeated by a single swipe of Horus's clawed fist. Horus appears to humanity, announcing his triumph over the false Emperor. To a man, the people of the Imperium celebrate his ascension to the throne as the new and rightful Emperor of mankind. For his part, the newly crowned Emperor Horus promises to bring peace and freedom to the galaxy, and to reveal to humanity the truth of the benevolent primordial creators who have granted him the power to ascend to the throne of mankind. All right, thank you, Graham. Uh, so, quick synthesis, I guess. Um, the Emperor, instead of trying to avoid chaos, tries to embrace it and tries to defeat it at its own game, kind of like Horus did in the real, in, in the prime timeline. Yeah, and it's quite interesting as well that it subverts the imperial truth so rather than denying the powers of chaos and the existence of chaos it goes no it's out there it's dangerous but you need to believe in me to deal with it so yeah turning things on its head quite like that one well i know you like it because horace wins but he's only there <laughs> right at the end isn't it for most of that um all heresy there are no primarchs you only get horace turn up right at the end to uh, lead humanity into a, a golden age am i can uh, uh, understanding correctly that the warp storms don't abate in this in this timeline doesn't mention anything about them, does it? So oh, it kind of well, suggests it, it mentions that Horus, uh, that, that warp travel is still incredibly dangerous and Horus uh, uh, miraculously makes it to, to Terra. But I guess there was a great crusade, so maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, that, I think this is this is really, really interesting. I like how, again, like how it subverts the Imperial truth. Uh, and and I guess that could have been another way to, that, that it could have gone. And it comes back to like old lore, right? Like with, with the Star Child, because that's kind of what happened Back in back in the day, the emperor totally. did. He, he there were laws laws of uh, sorry laws of God, gods of law, and and the emperor kind of uh, he 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 fit into that somehow. Yeah, I mean, if you go by the old Star Child law back in Lost and Madame, the original Lost and Madame book, it's uh, the Star Children are the emperor's children from when he was um, hidden amongst humanity and they just have part of his power in them kind of suggested perpetuals is where kind of i think perpetuals may have had a bit of an origin story um but yeah that they do have a presence in the warp which is the opposite to the chaos gods and they can't be corrupted by the chaos gods either which is an interesting point yeah it's interesting what do you reckon miles yeah i love it i mean you have the inversion of the imperial truth um you, you seem to have that idea of the emperor manifesting an avatar of himself in the warp to battle or to ascend yeah i think it's a nice uh clever play on the uh well the the, the traditions that we've seen uh, built up so far and then horus swooping in at the end instead of being there at the beginning that's also a really nice um uh inversion yeah just it, it it's one of those stories with 
light touches with significant changes. So yeah, really appreciate the subtlety of that. Excellent. Um, yeah, this was a really, really interesting one. I, 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 I like it. It also goes to show that the emperor did have options, right? It, he, he could have, could, uh, he could have gone to war with with chaos instead of trying to hide from it. But I, I like the idea that that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Isn't I it? guess so. Eh? So, but you know, there are other choices could make. But let's see what other alternative heresies have come up because some of them may be where the emperor is actually a good father. You never know. <laughs> That would be interesting. All right. So the next entry, again, this is kind of like random. This is just how I saved them onto my computer. So uh, the, our next entry is from uh, Jonathan, and it's entitled you know, Brothers on the Vengeful Spirit. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and this is my alternate heresy. Let us now tell a tale of the Great Heresy War and how it came to an end. The Primarch Sigunius stepped into the throne room of the Vengeful Spirit. He could sense his brother Horus inside the room, swollen with the gifts of the Dark Gods. Separated from the Emperor and his brother Rogaldorn, the great angel knew that he would die today at the hands of his once beloved brother, the War Master. That is, he would probably die today. Sanguinius' gift of foresight told him that he had a choice. He could fight Horus, lose, but perhaps wound him enough for the Emperor to finish him off. Or he could take another path, a path that had a small chance for complete victory. But if he failed, Horus would almost certainly defeat the Emperor. Sanguinius made his choice. Horus stood in front of his throne, looking out over Terra. He turned and said, Hello, Sanguinius. I welcome you to the Vengeful Spirit. You are the best, brah. We had some great times together, beasting on the Nephilim and being super kick-ass. Become my best brah once more. Join me, and we can rule the galaxy together. Brah, what happened to you? said the angel. You used to be so cool. Now look at you. I don't even know you anymore, man. Horace started. What, 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 wait, what? I'm still super cool. I'm even cooler than before. Cooler than you daddy's boys down on Terra. Man, no, man, replied Sanguinius. I know you think your new friends are awesome and all, but they're really super lame. They're dragging you down, man. <laughs> Look at all the powers I've been given in despair. Join me or die. Horace, dude, yeah, you got some cool new powers, but at what cost? I mean, look at your friends now. Coin is just so killy, dude. Not chill at all. Nurgle is super disgusting. Have you even smelled Matarian lately? Super gross. And I know it seems cool to snort cocaine off a demon that's brew, but, but, but those claws, man, they can't be fun. Too sharp for a good hand job, am I right? Well, that is a downside to slinish gorgies, I admit. We spotted horse. And Siege, you can never depend on him. You try to make plans, and he always changes them at the last minute. That is super annoying, admitted Horace. But our father wants to get rid of us and elevate himself to godhood, exclaimed Horace. He is not the benevolent ruler of humanity that he claims to be. Look, I know Dad is not the best communicator, and has done some things that are kind of shitty, said Sanguinius. But he's under a lot of stress lately, what with all those Xenos threats to the galaxy and Forsen and more gods trying to kill him. He's doing the best he can with what he has. I know he still loves you, even after all of this. Look, I miss him too sometimes, admitted Horgus. We had some great times together. Like, like smashing all his orgs in the Illinois system. That was super awesome. But we can't go back to the way it was. But you can't, Horace. Just say you're sorry. Dad will forgive you. At the moment, the Emperor of Mankind arrived on the bridge. For the first time in millennia, his precognition had failed him, and he was surprised. His two sons, the angel and the arch traitor, were talking and not fighting. 
Sanguinius turned to his father and spoke. Dad, Horus has something to say to you. Horus could barely look at the emperor, but he knew what he had to do. Head down, he approached his father and said, Dad, 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 I'm, 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 I'm sorry I betrayed you and caused a galaxy-wide civil war. I won't do it again, I promise. Speechless, the emperor did not know what to do or say. Finally, he responded with a gruff, Well, at least now you know what you did was wrong. It's going to take a lot more to make up for all of your actions. Sanguinius looked at the emperor and said, Look, Dad, Horus is really sorry. Give him another chance. Maybe you need to apologize to him as well. What? I have nothing to apologize for, shouted the emperor. Dad, said Sanguinius. Okay, maybe I could have been a better father, said the emperor. I know I'm not the best communicator, but you have to realize I didn't tell you about chaos because I wanted to protect you. That's all. The emperor and Horus looked at each other for a minute, not knowing what to do. Hug it out, said Sanguinius. Hesitantly, the two approached each other and then suddenly embraced in a huge bear hug. I love you, Dad, cried Horus, tears streaming down his face. I love you too, son, responded the emperor, his stoic facade finally cracking. Father and son hugged for several minutes and then finally broke apart. Well, what do we do now, asked Horus. Well, I think I need to get together with all your brothers and hash things out, said the emperor. We're going to make it better between us. It's going to be tough, said Horus. Most of them are really mad at you. I know, said the emperor, but we have to try. So Horus went to the box speaker on the ventral spirit and made an announcement. Attention forces of the war master. Attention forces of the war master. The Horus heresy is now over. I repeat, the Horus heresy is now over. Please stand by for further instructions about rejoining the Great Crusade. And so it happened. The emperor and his sons finally got together, went to a ropes course, to trust each other again by falling backwards off a truck and letting the others catch them. It was a long process, but eventually everyone became family once more. Angron started meditation and yoga, which helped him relax. Mortarian took a shower that lasted a year. Fulgrim stopped trying to be perfect and just started trying to be Fulgrim. Magnus admitted he did something wrong, and the Emperor realized he should stop being a dick. It is the 41st millennium, and there's still sometimes war. I mean, Games Workshop still has a celebratory soldiers, but the Primarchs fight together along with their father against the new Super Tyranids and the extra strong orcs and the really awake Necrons. The end. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed my tale of heresy, and thanks again for all the content. <laughs> you missed the trick at the end. You really missed. You could have called them the woke Necrons. Oh, I would. I see what you did there. I see what you did. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, uh, I think this, if anything, uh, this dialogue was more realistic than anything that's come out of Black Library. <laughs> bro, bro. Bro, come on. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. 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 Sorry. Bro. Bro. Come on, bro. Come on. Stop being a dick. No, like, uh, that, was, uh, that was fucking gold. That was gold. Um, uh, I, I like the idea of actually looking at this if it was a, a sitcom. Like, I think I might edit it in some music. Uh, whatever music I, that, that you might have heard, I edited in myself. Uh, Jonathan, sorry about that. Uh, but I think uh, there's definitely, um, th- 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 like, looking at it as, like, an, a 1980s family sitcom. Like, I should just put the, 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 should put the music to family ties at the end. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like this, because this should be the way that they dealt with the, the, the heresy. Like, looking at this pure serious, like, seriously, this is, this is the problem. This is a family drama where everybody's an idiot or a dick. So if people have just behaved like they did in 1980s family sitcoms, 
everything would be better. Well, uh, we were talking briefly before the show uh, that, Miles, isn't it great that you haven't got a HR department you don't have to go to these sorts of meetings? Well, from the little I know is that the best way to resolve conflict is through communication, effective communication, not through an interstellar civil war. But you know, you know what would be effective communication? Telling your sons what your plan is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I'm just having a, a an honest minute, conversation with them. A five-minute PowerPoint presentation from HR could have solved the whole heresy yeah. easily. Are we, saying that, are we saying that Malkador would be in the HR department? Oh, yeah. Of course he would be the HR department. Yeah. Who else would be? Children, you are weapons. I mean, I mean, Dorn would be like the office rat. Yeah, or, or like or, or like the nerdy kid. Or Loga. Loga. Oh, Loga would be awful. Snitch. Oh, he would definitely snitch on you. Like if you had a party or something like that. And we're talking about like a 90s sitcom, right? So like yeah. or an 80s sitcom. F- like, Fulgrim, party... Fulgrim's parents. Well, parents is always way. Fulgrim's parents away from the palace. So he throws a wild kegger. Oh, yeah, I could see Russ like showing up with all of his like all of his buddies. Friends. You know, and they just and everybody say... walks out with a TV. Snitches. Angron and Ross being the jocks. Is this what we're saying? Oh, yeah, obviously. Uh, Angron's the guy who drinks whiskey and wants to fight all the time. Oh, he's the, uh, he, he's, he, he's, uh, what's the guy from Revenge of the Nerds? Like, Ogre? I've seen that. Oh, no. Nerds! That's Angron. Yes. That's Angron. Um, I, I don't think we need to go through all of them, but I think we all know who this character would be in either an 80s sitcom or perhaps uh, even an 80s, you know, one of those, like, uh, uh, um, uh, those party movies, right? Like, like Animal House. Yeah, or like the Ski Lodge uh, movies. Oh, those were bad. Those were terrible. Those were even worse yeah. than, 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 than the normal, like the regular ones. But there was a bunch of these in the 80s, and they all involved very questionable, very questionable questions of consent. Um, but uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Revenge of the Nerd is bad. Like, the, 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 the anyway, I'm going to go into it. But the fuck, well, yeah, there's a reason why. There's a reason why they don't get reshown that, uh, like on Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, uh, but let's uh, not not to get into to to the uh, the, pol- the 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 question yeah, of politics the, of those movies, that's but more for the woke Necrons, the woke forty first. <laughs> um, no, this is really fucked up shooting those movies. Uh, but yeah, like uh, uh, just just to say, like I, I thought that intro was fantastic. I fucking loved it, and the best part is that legitimately, if this is how they would have handled things. The 41st millennium would be a better place to live as a human being. You still have the orcs and you still have the necrons, um, but you know, the super orcs and the super necrons. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, rescaling. So the orcs are, are huge now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was painting hero quest orcs. They're so tiny. So, so very <sighs> yeah. tiny. Everything's so tiny from my <laughs> Darren, do you have any uh, comments? Uh, it's funny we we were talking just before this one wasn't it that we were saying we have one where the emperor isn't a dick and there we go there you go you know we we got our wish on the very next one no he's a dick he apologizes and that makes it okay he makes up yeah so he makes up he makes up for his dickishness he did make miss a trick though the emperor i would have i was expecting i was almost expecting him to be like i'm not angry with you i'm just disappointed (laughs) Uh, Jonathan, fantastic! Actually, really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for sending it in. Um, all right, our next one is from Nick. Uh, uh, and just a quick shout out, Nick. Also, um, uh, uh, he does uh, MDF uh, terrain. I bought some of his 
Adeptus Titanicus uh, terrain, uh, like a, like an airbase. It was really, really cool. Well constructed. goes together like Lego. It was beautiful. So that's quarter scale war zones. I'll just uh, shout him out um, uh, real quick. Uh, and, and let's listen to Nick's entry. Hey, I'm Nick from Quarter Scale War Zones, and this is my alternate heresy. It's done with conversions and modeling opportunities in mind just to get some uh, crazy kit bashes going out there. So the divergence point at Olinor, the Emperor chooses to wait for the Triumphal March until all of the Primarchs are gathered, and he tells them about the warp. He tells them about the creatures that lurk there and that it can be used as a tool, but can also be very dangerous. The Emperor makes no mention of the Chaos Gods, but does tell his sons that he'll return home to Terra to consolidate his power and contemplate the next phase after the crusade is finished. Secretly, he returns home and has his custodes out gathering Archaeotech to try to ascend to godhood and dominion over the warp. He finds that the fastest way to power in the warp is worshippers and sacrifices in the mortal plane. He has the word bearers and iterators spread the word. So sticking with the emperor and falling to chaos, essentially, the project to ascend to godhood takes precedence over any interest in the webway. Kelbor Hal still sides with the Emperor to open the vaults of Moravec. The word bearers are augmented and elevated as the Emperor's heralds and continue performing their rituals to chaos and all that fun stuff. Them sacrificing whole worlds in the Emperor's name is what pushes Horus over the edge into rebellion. The Night Lords, as always, are along for the murder ride. Uh, using new vampire models from the Age of Sigmar range could be pretty cool there. Dark Angels recognize the Watchers as warp creatures and adopt them as advisors. They also capture and tame or bind the creatures of their homeworld. This could lead to a right of war to integrate demons, uh, using when no other legionaries are present, because they tend to feed also on allies and allied militia. The Iron Hands will be on this side, and they'll ally with the new Mechanicum and use Warp Tech to replace the weakness of flesh. They're going to be going towards flesh metal and become the first obliterator cults. The Space Wolves, as always, are loyal hounds and were the second to adopt the Twin Sold with the Wolfen, finally admitting that their Storm Magics are, are Warp Powers and that the Wolfen are low-grade possessed. The Blood Angels fall to corn as large portions of them fall to the Red Thirst and revert to their barbaric ways of their homeward, homeworld ball. Perhaps Sanguinius dies early in this alternate heresy or ascends to demonhood. That'd be a pretty cool uh, modeling opportunity for Sanguinius as a demon prince. The Ultramarines after heresy starts become obsessed with perfection and go the route the Emperor's children used to, so fall to Slanesh. Kind of the, the mightiest heroes have the deepest fall. The Thousand Sons, of course, side with the warp and, uh, and stick with the Emperor. And the Imperial Fists are also the Emperor's defenders, and they fall to Nurgle to seek out any way to become more stalwart and unmoving. Remaining pure or allied to the War Master, uh, Saturn will stay with them, mostly for their own independence. There will be some loyal Mechanicum elements. And Horus, among others, have been approached by the Cabal and granted limited use of the Webway. So Horus, first among the Emperor's sons, sees his father's folly and seeks to stop him. He gathers those that remain loyal and marches on Terra. He is more accepting of Xenos and democratic governments. He's more for the people and not for the Imperium at this point. The Emperor's children embrace genetic experimentation and specialization at a company level. So you could see things like aquatic, massive gene bulk, flying troops with wings, and things like that. 
they know they have to become monsters to win, but they're avoiding the warp and doing what they do for the generations after. The Death Guard embraced Mortarian's hatred of psychers and ally with the Silent Sisterhood, maybe renamed the Black Watch. They're all about hunting down psychers so the Emperor can't sacrifice them. The White Scars are approached by the Cabal and can ride through the webway to attack Terra from within. Uh, the World Eaters and Angron in particular is calmed by an Eldar princess, and they're given Wraithstone pendants to kind of tamp down and minimize the effects of the Butcher's Nails. So they can still unleash their rage when they want to, but it's slightly more manageable. Think kind of like the Hulk in the later movies, right? Uh, the Iron Warriors will side with the Warmaster as before, but they're allowed more time on the march to Terra to build uh, civil structures on the rebel worlds. They become more widespread administrators and local lords with their local fiefdoms. Uh, Corix and Vulcan have always cared more about the citizens, so they immediately side with the Warmaster, and they'll probably go on some buddy cop side quests uh, as the alternate heresy breaks down. Last but not least, of course, is the Alpha Legion. They're going to fall under sway of Malal and Split. So Alpharius stays with the Emperor and Omegon stays with Horus. So neither side truly understands their motive or allegiance, but the twin son sought out a twinned god. Cool. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you so much, Nick. Uh, okay, what do you guys think of this? This is incredibly uh, creative. Um, uh, this is the first time anybody's ever actually sent in an alternate heresy entry with actual modeling suggestions this is great <laughs> yeah yeah i like this one there's, there's a lot of good stuff in this one isn't there so i think this uh, uh nick uh nick's entry falls within i guess we, we could start establishing like types of alternate heresies because this is a very traditional legion switch and i think the first i i guess the grandfather of all the alternate heresies the dorian heresy which uh which I think, I don't remember which board, I think it was on Bolton Chainsword, uh, yeah. but it was really, really well, well done. This was about a decade ago. Uh, that kind of switched all the legions, switched their allegiance. And, and, and this, is, uh, this is of that style. And, we, and, and, and we've seen several of these uh, throughout the years. I, I, I love the idea of actually going through this and like, what could be the modeling opportunity? This is the, probably the most, this is the closest to the nature of the podcast, <laughs> right? Where we try to like bash together uh, all, all these different elements of the hobby and, and try to, 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 to make something coherent with it. I, I thought this was really fun. Yeah, we, we do also seem to have a theme emerging this year about the Emperor Communicator of his sons. I you? know. Grand Nick, like you guys, like that's surprising you guys uh, came up with, uh, with this um, um, uh, separately. I guess uh, great minds think alike. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I do like the kind of different concepts behind this and the the themes which are coming yeah. out, like the, the Emperor's tyranny is open tyranny and prepared tyranny as well for a certain name. Once again, all about ascension to godhood. Another theme that seems to be coming out quite a lot this year as well. Mm. Um, but it's interesting having more Xenos links as well with the Eldari, for example. I love that bit with the, um, the World Eaters having Waystone yeah. pendants to keep them a bit calmer when they need to be. Yeah, from an Elder Princess, who could that be? Uh, Ivraine. Oh yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, rather, rather than kill, you know, she, she's got a thing about Primarchs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, that could be another uh, interesting modeling opportunity as well. Uh, no, I think. Uh, what, what's your favorite of these? I think they were all pretty clever. Well, the three we've listened to so far. No, no, I mean, uh, uh, are your favorite of these uh, of, of of these alternate legions. Um, it's. I I know it's a, a pretty well worn trait, but I I quite like the Sanguinius one uh, because there's always that comparison between him and Conrad Kurz, whereas. 
Sanguinius was placed on this hellish world, he managed to survive it and almost display good traits, even from a bad environment. Uh, when you see Primarchs drop in different environments, they either change the environment or they take on aspects of it in themselves. And it's interesting to see Sanguinius succumbing to those circumstances. So instead of retaining his humanity, losing it completely. So Baal, this hellish world, actually having a devil on it would be quite a cool modeling opportunity. Darren? I, qu- I quite like the Death Guard. I quite like the Death Guard mm. mixing in with the Sisters of Silence. I think that would be some really yeah. interesting bit. Very, yeah, very Black like Yeah, um, although I wouldn't want them in Tartan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you could do some really nice modeling and being able to use the um, Sisters of Silence child steaming wagons as transport for the Death for the Death Guard would be lovely. Oh yeah, uh, I think my favorite is a Dark Mech Iron Hands. Imagine the conversions you could do with that, like a Praetor with like like spider with um uh, a Scoria's like spider uh, um 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 sort mm. of chassis, like stuff like that. Um, uh, that'd be so rad. I, I think all of these are very evocative and really interesting. Um, uh, um, uh, I, I, th- this is incredibly creative. I, I really like it. Um, and also, just a, a, as a side note, I mean, you could do all these things. Um, uh, a lot of the conversion that we've talked about, why not do uh, space wolves that have fallen to chaos because they come and embrace the wolf and his demons or something like that? Why not? Like, do it. it doesn't have to be a lot of them. Just wonder, Well, the original wolf and models from um, way back when we had the, the Black the 13th Black Crusade worldwide campaign, the Wolf models had bits of Chaos Armor marks on them where they'd um, stolen them over the years from when they were fighting the Eye of Terror. Oh, that's right. They came back out through the uh, the Eye of Terror. Yeah, yeah. The, so they were, had like the um, Amphilis backpacks. Mm. And well. So, you know, there's, there's precedent already. Nice. I like this one. I like yeah, this, this one. was fun. This was super fun. Yeah, me too. Like you say, it encapsulates not only the story, but sort of like everything we are as a podcast the the law history the painting uh yeah it, it, it's a nice well-rounded submission and he threw in malau so it's got jp's oh yeah of course i yes. didn't want to mention it so, but like yeah uh, no, of course not of course you wouldn't mention malau uh just it's just it seemed obvious that 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 always that always tickles my fancy if you will um uh love malau and, and then I, I i i like that that the Alpha Legion don't seem to change much. They fall to Malal, and but they seem to be pretty similar. Um, there's, 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 um, in in science fiction writing, there's like this idea of like historical. Uh, when people that do the alternate history, there's this idea of um, a sort of a historical momentum where, uh, uh, and this is like against the great man theory of history, the idea that certain things are probably going to happen anyway because no one person can put a stop to something like that. Say that. You know, Hitler, someone goes back in time and kills Hitler. That's a classic one, right? Well, Germany could still have a revanchist, uh, a re- a revanchist uh, um, war in the 1940s. Uh, it might be different, but there's a certain momentum to history. And I like it the idea of leadership as well, their yeah. military leadership. Um, but like the idea of that, there's a certain momentum with the Alpha Legion. That, like, no matter what really you mess with the timeline, it's probably going to look pretty similar because the Alpha Legion are the Alpha Legion. <laughs> So I like that. I think that was really, really clever. Um, love the idea of bringing in model op- modeling opportunities. Uh, that's the first time anybody has ever done it. Really like it. Uh, okay, let's move on to our last recorded entry. And this is from our uh, good friend Alex from the Death and Betrayal uh, podcast. 
Hey guys, uh, Alex calling in from the Death and Betrayal podcast with my alternate heresy. Uh, I took a lot of inspiration from uh, Jack's Second Legion Primarch, Icarian, so I'm calling this the Icarian heresy. Um, I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details, so this is a what if anyway, and I just made it up as I went along. Um, so we know that from Jack's lore, uh, Icarian has a falling out with the Emperor and Ross goes to uh, put him down. Uh, so in this version of events, Icarian secedes after having visions of Horus slaying the Emperor. Ross is then sent to execute Icarian and purge the Second Legion. Uh, however, Icarian actually triumphs over Ross. Ross is then sent to execute Icarian and purge the Second Legion. Uh, however, Icarian actually triumphs over Ross uh, in this scenario, which then results in the wolves uh, collapsing and being routed themselves. Um, after that, uh, Big E sends more uh, legions and Primarchs into the Rangdon territory uh, to hunt Icarian down, which then kind of stirs the Rangdon Xenocides up a little bit faster. Um, Icarian uh, then runs into Sanguinius as he comes to hunt him down, but while they're fighting to a standstill, uh, not unlike Kurz's fight with Sanguinius, uh, Icarian is actually able to convince Sanguinius to come to his side based on Sanguinius's visions of being killed at the hands of Horus himself. Magnus attempting to warn the Emperor um, of Horus's fall to chaos still creates Magnus's folly, but without Rust and the Wolves to intercept him, Kurtarabo is instead sent to Terra and or sorry, uh, sent to Prospero and brings Magnus back. Uh, in chains. Magnus, upon seeing what he's caused, uh, then takes his place on the Golden Throne to allow the Emperor to go in to attempt to close Magnus's folly. Um, while this is happening, Icarian actually catches wind of Omegon in the Rangdon sector and seeks to uh, align his unfound brother before the Emperor can reclaim him into the Imperium. Uh, in the process, he intercepts Alpharius on route to uh, discover Omegon, which results in the two fighting and Alpharius losing to Icarian. Uh, Omegon is then uh, saved and joins the ranks of Icarian and Sanguinius. Um, meanwhile, Magnus, sitting on the throne and uh, the Emperor entering the webway to close the folly, Dorn actually orders the folly closed and declares um, the emperor dead and himself the new emperor. While this is happening, Omegon still infiltrates the vengeful spirit, as he does in our uh, sort of central finite curve. Um, and uh, upon getting into the bridge and killing the honor guard, uh, Omegon then sets up a teleportation transponder, which brings uh, Sanguinius and Icarian into the vengeful spirit. While Omegon is Fighting uh, Horus, Sanguinius makes it to the bridge and is still killed by Horus in the process. But Icarian and Omegon uh, triumph over Horus, preventing the Horusian heresy. Uh, upon hearing that uh, Dorn has declared himself emperor, Gulliman then decides to return to the 500 worlds and secede claiming that Dorne has killed the Emperor in order to take the Imperium for himself. 
Um, he's basing this on intel that he receives from Silonius and the remaining Alpha Legion operatives who pass on the information of the operatives under the sands in the Gobi Wastes and Alpharius's distrust of Dorn. Using this, uh, he believes it gives him uh, the right to not become an Imperium Secundus, but the Imperium proper, vowing to uh, reclaim the homeworld and the Imperium in his late father's name. Uh, that's all I've got so far. Um, next year, uh, we'll, we'll build on this uh, heresy a little bit, which is now a three-way split between surviving brothers. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Can't wait to hear what you guys workshop and how you guys, uh, if you guys can give me any more ideas on how to build on it. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. And if you need anything else, you know where to find me. Thanks. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, uh, now this is very interesting. Now, now, now we're going into, um, we're, we're going into uncharted waters because this is actually largely based on, um, th- this is a, this is sort of like a fanfic based on a fanfic. I love this. It shows that uh, a lot of the, 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 the canon that has been is developed in the, uh, in the, the community, um, has a lot of staying power. Uh, maybe a little bit background. Uh, about two years ago, I think uh, 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 Jack came on uh, to discuss um, a sort of the the, the de- like a incredibly well developed uh, Second Legion army and background that that he had developed. And, and honestly, we received so much good feedback from that because it was it was really fun, really well done. Uh, we, we often see Second and Eleventh Legion armies or or, or projects. Uh, some are better than others, but, but they're all pretty creative. But Jax was just like hands down. He had art commissioned. It was like incredible, like the, 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 the work that went into it. So like I salute Alex for actually t- like running with that and, and doing an alternate history uh, based on uh, based on that Second Legion stuff. That's it's great. That's wonderfully creative. Yeah, I mean, Second Eleven stuff is always popular, isn't it, for heresy? Oh, yeah. Because there's so many unknown questions. What I like about this, um, or, has, or heresy that Alex has put together, is just how messy it becomes very, very quickly. With Once once Emperor's out of the way, how many for pro Marxists revert to type and start looking out for their own? I, I do find it fascinating. This is something that's come up uh, several times, I think. Um, and honestly, okay, uh, one thing I will mention about the alternate heresy, now that we've done enough of them that we can actually start looking at broad themes, I find that the 2nd and 11th don't come up that often. I, I think the community is like, well, maybe that's too obvious. Um, I think the way Alex approached it by actually looking at something that was already very well developed um, and, and sort of building on that was, was, re- was really fun. Yeah, and I lo- what I also liked is how Alex kept to themes that we already know, like Magnus breaking the webway, for example, and then um, that having to be fixed or sorted out and the Golden Throne being used to kind of seal that gap. So I, I liked, like all good alternative histories, how it takes points that we know, but they're slightly adjusted to fit the new situation. Oh, absolutely. Um I think, uh, yeah, this was incredibly well created. Um, I like the idea of, of teasing out uh, a little bit more development next year. Uh, I know, Alex, you asked uh, for us uh, for input uh, on bringing it forward. We can make chat on that, um, uh, chat about that on the internets. Um, but I really, what I really want to see is what you do with it, uh, pushing it forward uh, uh, for another entry next year, because we're definitely doing this again. We, we took a year off from doing alternate heresy, but we're not taking an, another year off. I thought that was really, really cool. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Any uh, closing comments about that? No, it was a great entry. Yeah, really great loved entry. it. I also love the idea of like Gulliman. I, I, I feel that uh, just as a just as a, just a concluding thought, there. Um, th- this is one of those themes that has come up uh, several times. The idea of 
the Ultramar essentially succeeded, uh, Ultramar essentially seceding or uh, different parts of the Imperium seceding and making their own empires. I really find that idea fascinating and I wish that it was more in line with the regular lore because I, I can see Gulliman doing that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can see Dawn doing it, you can see Perdurabo doing it. Yeah. So you have these characters who are empire builders and then they'd have to try and sway other Primarchs to their side. So who, who yeah. would be the empire builders? Who would be the emperors of these new domains? Uh, yeah, that would be such an interesting dynamic to explore. And I hope we do get to see a little bit of it in a possible scouring series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but again, Alex, a great entry. I like the idea of a three-way war. Uh, I guess adding more sides to the conflict is appropriate for someone that plays Black Shields. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but great work. Okay, so those are uh, the recorded entries that were sent in uh, via email or whatever. Um, so now we're going to open up our lines. <laughs> we're going to open up our phone lines um, because we have uh, a couple of our listeners that would like to present their alternate heresies uh, in person. In person. That's not any more accurate than uh, calling it phone lines. Uh, so um, we'll go to our first uh, to our first caller, a returning champion, uh, Robert. Uh, Robert, what is your alternate heresy, sir? So my point of divergence is the lion and Perturabo are found at the same time. Um, and, and you think that wouldn't make a huge difference, but there's no one who can be closer to someone who's paranoid, asocial, and has too big of an ego than someone else who's paranoid, asocial, and has too big of an ego. Because, you know, if you don't trust anyone, you want to keep the person you trust the least closest. And so if if the lion and Perturabo were found together, there wouldn't be as much of a chance for Horace to become the only person Perturabo really gets on with. Because then he have someone he you know sees some sort of a kinship with in regards to the fact that the lion has a lot of the same personality traits and also a knack for uh, taking people's heads off unnecessarily. And and the big dif- the the big difference that would happen would be you know the lion and Perturabu would probably bounce you know paranoia and politics off of each other until you know so Perturabu would still take place in the drop site massacre but it would go a little differently you know being close friends with the lion would probably make him just to be safe shell both sides instead of just the loyalists and so you would sort of have uh perturabo sort of on his own bombing everybody um so not only would the raven guard the iron hands and the salamander suffer but so would the night lords the uh, Alpha Legion and everybody else who was there would also suffer. So no legions would be fully knocked out of the fight, but more legions would be diminished earlier on. And not having Perturabo to rely on to essentially do the things he doesn't want to do, Horace would have to rely on someone else. And the only one he could rely on for that is Mortarion. So, you know, Mortarion would still likely go to Nurgle but it would either have to happen much earlier or much later as there wouldn't be time for uh, Typhon to set his warp trap to get, you know, Mortarion trapped in a warp storm and force the Legion to go to Nurgle, whether they want to or not, because if Horace no longer has, you know, a dedicated siege breaker, he could just point at things and say, Hey, break that siege. His only other option is the death guard. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. 
The other thing it would do would be, you know, the lion would have to find some way to maintain his loyalty without breaking his kinship with Perturaba. Because if there's one thing um, the lion is, it's not a traitor. He does bend the rules and use prescribed weapons on civilians, <laughs> specifically told not to. Um, but that's what makes him interesting. And that's what makes him so similar to Perturabo. I, I know the Night Haunter is supposed to be the rival of the lion in some regard. But I think if the horse heresy was started in the modern era, rather than some things that they're expanding on from 30 years ago, I think the Iron Warriors would be rivals with the Dark Angels instead of the Imperial Fists. Because, yeah, they do sort of do the same thing as the Imperial Fists. But it's not like there's any real reason for them to be rivals. You know, the, it's not like they ever really interact. It's just mostly jealousy. And that's not as fun. Interesting. So what's the long-term consequences of this? I mean, the long-term consequences is the Siege of Terror takes way longer. Not having the Iron Warriors to, you know, do the attack on the Lion's Gate and, you know, tunnel up into the palace and all the other things that they admittedly are responsible for Horus even getting close enough to be able to attack the Emperor <laughs> on his flagship. Um you know, the, the siege would take longer, and I think the Ultramarines would have just enough time to show up before the end. Uh, you know, Sanguinius still dies, Horus still dies, the Emperor's still absolutely messed up, but less of the traitor Marines make it out because they have to fight their way out through the Ultramarines now. A lot earlier than they would otherwise have to. Interesting. So um, the scouring, I guess the, this maybe there's not even a scouring because... I mean, there would still be a scouring because you we still need a bad guy. <laughs> or a good guy, depending on your point of view. But the scouring would be more chaotic, more violent, because all those other planets that, that side of the horse still need to be reconquered, you know? But a lot, there would be a lot less traitor legionnaires who would make it to the eye. And the, in, I mean, in the long term, the interlegionary conflicts would be, you know, way less severe because there'd be way less people fighting, way less resources that need to be shared, might not even lead to you know the black legion forming because if there's not as many people to harass the remnants of the sons of horus then they don't start dying out until abaddon gets out of his fugue state starts to ship back up and decides he wants to break things interesting so essentially you have a weak we have weaker um um uh traitor legionaries in the future like uh the the, the yeah. abaddon's forces are going to be weaker yeah i mean horus needed at least half of the legions on his side with even one less the the siege of terra doesn't go as well for them as it does which i mean the siege of terra goes all things considered very well for the traders they more or less win right up until the end so we bring this all the way into the 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 present storyline uh the 40k uh, uh storyline does cadia still fall you know i think cadia still i think cadia still has to fall and it's because cadia is you know the linchpin of so many long-term plans for so many different factions that Cadia has to fall. And I think Cadia does fall at some point, but I don't think, I think it's the Iron Warriors that would make it fall in this instance. I think the Iron Warriors would be a rogue element in the galaxy that doesn't really answer to anyone and, you know, would take the place of the fallen. Because if the Death Guard has to do all the things Iron Warriors were supposed to do, Typhon won't have time to make it to Caliban. He won't have time to talk to Luther. So the, the Lutherite splinter faction of the Dark Angels doesn't really coalesce because it's really thanks to, to Typhus that it even happens in the first place because, you know, 
the dark angels answer their call for assistance at some random planet or like, Oh, so there's a civil war going on. Cool. Cool. You know, if, you know, Typhus doesn't have the time to talk to the Calvinites and go to their system, you know, the, the Marines that are sent back to Caliban to check on things and to get recruits don't have the chance to be corrupted as well. The Firewing doesn't get corrupted. And so the Iron Warriors take the place of the Fallen, but are more or less a third faction at this point. Yo, I like that. I like that. And that's what really makes the most sense for the Iron Warriors, because I, I always felt that the Iron Warriors just being Horace's, you know, Doberman, um, for lack of a better term, is kind of a waste of what is honestly one of the more interesting legions. And it makes those Iron Warriors who side with the Loyalists and the Traitors that much more important. Excellent. So does this mean that Petrobo doesn't become a demon prince then? He remains mortal. I think in this instance, I think he would probably end up dying. I think someone would probably end up taking him out, either an assassin for, you know, like Conrad Kurz, or there's a Black Crusade that aims to take out Perturabo, you know. You know, the Perturabo not being on either side makes him an even bigger target. And I think he just wouldn't survive to the 41st millennium. I like the idea of a Black Crusade to topple uh, Perturabo. Uh, of course, they're like a Black Legion Iron Warriors uh, war. I think that the Iron Warriors would win, but it's your alternate heresy. So, well, well the Iron Warriors <laughs> would win, but beating the Iron Warriors wouldn't be the point. It would be taking out Perturaba would be the point, because you know the Iron Warriors being separate and removed from the Imperium means that they no one would be able to remove them from whatever chunk of space they wanted to make their empire. It would be like a mirror image to Ultramar, but honestly, without a secret police, probably because why would you need one? Because yeah, it'd be cool to have the empire of iron, you know, last longer and be like a rival, um, you know, a rival uh, uh, empire in, in its own right. And, and imagine how much more interesting the setting would be if there was just, you know, more at play. Yeah. What if there was a third way and the third way was iron? Oh, I like that. I like that. I mean, it, imagine alpha legion, you know, remnants who who join Perturabo's legion being like his political officers and propagandists it, it would be a perfect fit of course they would never fully trust them but then we wouldn't have the chances for the alpha legion to betray the iron warriors at um everywhere um <laughs> to learn, uh that one forge world with cassian dracos there wouldn't be as much space for them to do it in the heresy because the iron warriors wouldn't really be a part of the heresy they'd still show up every once in a while but they'd be busy on their own fortifying their position waiting for the dust to blow over also i, I well, the other thing i like about this is it really does fit with um uh it plays well with the lore because the iron warriors are always uh are, are, are a legion that don't really trust mutation for example they i think uh, in the 3.5 edition uh, chaos codex they, they say something about them like they they respect chaos as a pantheon but they they're not really chaos marines and they're they're known for if you know they get gifted a mutation or something like that, like a tentacle arm, they'll cut it off and replace it with with a uh, with 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 a robo arm, right? So and, they've always been hesitant. They've always been a kind of yeah. a way. And it, 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 and on top of that, in the old lore, it was also if someone got too far along on the chaos train, they wouldn't really be Iron Warriors anymore. Yeah. So it, it makes more sense for the Iron Warriors if they had the opportunity to just go their own way. 
especially if they still get the Ordinatus from the lion. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you can attack something all you want, but if they've got three giant war machines capable of leveling, you know, an Imperator Titan, I don't think you're going to want to attack them as quickly. Well, Darren, you're a fellow Iron Warriors player. I'm, I'm assuming this uh, the, 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 this one makes you as happy as it makes me. Yeah, I, I really love the idea behind it. I, I like the idea of the Empire of Iron concept set up as a, uh, um, a kind of a counterpoint to Ultra. I, I like that and... and Obviously, JP, you have you haven't read um, Mortis yet, have you? So you no, don't have your Iron Warriors reacting that. So it, it does fit in with how we know Pertrabo does react to certain things. Um, so I, li- I like it. Um, yeah, it, it turns that bitterness into something more positive for the Iron Warriors. So yeah, good. I like it. It's, there's some interesting concepts put in there. I always thought that the um, the Empire of Iron uh, concept wasn't really properly developed. I mean, it just comes from uh, Index Astartes. I, 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 don't, I don't recall it ever being, you know, a major piece of lore, even though it's really tantalizing a little bit. I think it's in the latest um, Heresy map. Is it really? I think it is, yeah. yeah. I don't know, I'm just having a quick check. Bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, Miles, so it, what, what do you think? It, it pops yeah, up I, in Dark Imperium, I think. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I like the concept. Yep, yeah, I, I, I really like the concept of the... I'm a big fan of having uh, different empires within the empire. And then when the civil war breaks out, they become, instead of like sitting below the surface, they come to the fore. And, you know, another thing is why do the ultramarines get to be the only ones that have really like more than one or two systems? It doesn't make sense for the iron warriors to not have a massive empire because that's their fortress builders. What else does a fortress builder do than build empires? Well, they're also fortress topplers. But uh, yeah. uh, no, I, I, I honestly, I always thought the Empire of Iron was really interesting and, um, and, and just didn't feel like it got properly developed. Maybe in the scouring, because I think it gets taken out in the scouring, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because look, just looking at the latest heresy map, there is a, a big empire, so a big trade tron place surrounded around, uh, around uh, Olympia, but it's not oh. named the Empire of Iron. So. Yeah, I, I okay. think if I remember from the... Uh, the Indomitus books, the one that mentions uh, the Empire of Iron, I think it specifically states that it collapses after the heresy to the Iron Warriors' poor leadership, which also feels kind of kind of uncharacteristic for the Iron Warriors, you know? I, I wouldn't say poor leadership is something they're known for. I guess we'll, we'll they'll come back to in the scouring series, the inevitable scouring series. Obviously, yeah. nothing's been announced, but they'll do it. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe Superrobo's too busy trying to get revenge on Dorn or something like that. I, I feel that that might be where where they might go uh, go with that, like too busy trying to set up the Iron Cage to actually pay attention to the uh, to Olympia. But we'll see. That's I, that. That would I, be my guess. Either that or the lion gets there with his uh, cyclonic torpedoes. Oh, him and his cyclonic torpedoes, eh? All right, perfect, uh, uh, Robert. That was that was a fantastic entry. Um, um, as usual, this year we're we're, we're lucky at the, the the high level. It's always at a high level. Why am I saying it's pro- like uh, it's a particularly high level? This was what I wanted to say, but uh, that's a great entry. We'll come back to it uh, when it's time to uh, to do the impossible task of of judging these. But uh, thank you so much for participating and for coming on. Of course, you guys have a great af- afternoon. All right, our next live. Um, entry for the uh, for the alternate heresy uh, competition is um, our, our our returning champion David. Now David was um, uh, was on a few months ago to terrify the hell out of us and actually explain why one would actually use a life eater virus. I always found that the life eater virus was um, 
it wasn't that scary because I didn't, there's no point in it. Like, why would you use this over a cyclonic torpedo? But uh, David was there to terrify us with stories of reprocessing goo. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrifying, terrifying logistical weapon. And I imagine the Adeptus Mechanicus or the Mechanicum of the time really loved it because it leaves that nice planetary order to just go after and then build machines. Um, so yeah, for anybody that's, that missed that episode, that's like, whenever we do these, it's always the best stuff that is the best stuff that we do as, as, as a show. So go back and check it out. Um, I don't remember what episode number it is, but, uh, um, it should be pretty easy to find. I always put the, uh, the subjects in, in, in the title. Um, but, uh, we're welcome. We're, we're, we're delighted to bring, um, uh, uh, to, uh, we're delighted to bring David back on. Um, David, what is your alternate heresy? So I've got a fun one to start with. Well, uh, we'll see if there's time for more after that. But the first one is Lorgar, Primarch of the 17th Legion, true believer. And that's his shtick. Like, he's the true believer. Wherever you drop him, he's going to take what he learns from their culture and he will embrace it until the heat death of the universe. So, in my mind, where things would get really interesting is you take Lorgar and you drop him on Chogoris and you give him Jagatai Khan's upbringing. So now you have a Primarch who's all about freedom, right? The, the blade is freedom, ride with the wind, let no man be your tyrant. Except now, unlike the actual Jagatai Khan having that kind of edge of, of real politic to him, you actually have someone who will go with that full hilt all the time because he is a true believer, capital T, capital B. And I think this gets pretty interesting because now when the horacy actually happens, you actually do get three real different sides to the civil war. You get the actual chaos worshippers who are still around because that's still Erebus, that's still Corferon, that's still um, Typhus or Typhon. Um, all of those people who are already embedded and all about chaos to begin with. But now you also have the actual side that is all about the emperor as a tyrant, freedom, down with the Imperium, down with the false Imperium, but they're not all about chaos. And they actually now have someone who's not Angron levels of insane to rally behind. That's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it uh, in terms mm. of how it plays out. Who knows? Because that's where things get weird. Because you still have all of those little sleeper agents that Chaos seeded throughout the legions that weren't Primarchs to begin with, and they're still going to have their impact. Interesting. So how, how would you see that interacting with the Imperial Truth? So, in a lot of ways, I think what would end up happening is that you'd have Lorgar, or I'm going to use the phrase Lorgar because it's easier, but I'm really referring to, you know, Primarch number 17, um, who wouldn't be called Lorgar if he landed on Chogris, but whatever. So, Lorgar is going out into the galaxy. He's, and, and this is one of those things, there's a, the Jagatai Khan Primarch novel has a, a scene in it where it's Jagatai Khan on Terra interacting with the Imperial Court. And it's this moment where it's basically, he hates everything that's happening, but he acknowledges the fact that if he goes against it, he can't win. And the Emperor does make a good point that at least a centralized Imperium means a safe humanity. So that would be the big changing point because Lorgar would go in there and he'd say, no, that's a lie. And he'd just kind of storm out. And so you'd have a much earlier kind of roots of rebellion of 
You know how with uh, Night Haunter, it's like, Night Haunter went out and he found all these civilizations that wouldn't get along in the Imperium, but instead of wiping them out, he made them into a brotherhood that he could call upon when needed. Doesn't make as much sense for a sociopath like the Night Haunter, but someone like Lorgar, or at least a Lorgar who really believed in freedom and banding together rebellion style against the evil empire, that could work really well. So Horus throws down, guided by Erebus and Corferon, goes to Chaos, starts off his big rebellion. Lorgar comes in with his folks from the outer edges of, hu of human civilizations and provides that kind of area where you can have people like Mortarion and Angron who want to kill the Emperor, but aren't all about chaos, at least not originally, a, 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 a tent to live in. I like that. Uh, and I, I, um, I agree with you. The the stuff about Conrad Curse kind of like making himself like allies here and there, it's like that doesn't seem like a very Conrad Curse thing to do, right? He's always he's kind of been like an a, a very individual person. That's why I always say Conrad Curse is at his best when he's being a solo terrorist, right? A lone mm -hmm. wolf, yeah, uh, if you will. And it's always weird. I always found that part where even though like I I love what they did with it, you know, bringing in all those beastmen and that that Borg that Borg cube. <laughs> That was so. That was that was absolutely nuts. It was great. It was so great. Uh, but yeah, it sounds more like a Lorgar thing. Like you're totally yeah. right. Like, and, and then you actually have like the Primarch of the Fifth. Like, you've got that kind of from the Fifth Legion and before they met the Con. Like, they're the Outriders. So now the Con comes in, or the person who would have anyway. Primarch of the Fifth comes in from Colchis with Erebus and Corferon, and they feel like they just won the lottery. Because they're now embedded in the Legion responsible for finding new worlds. And so they can just do exactly what they were doing originally, but without pissing off the Emperor because you don't have true believer Lorgar raising up temples everywhere. So you have a much more insidious spread of the, you know, um, primordial chaos faith for when the actual heresy comes about. So you have like this, this almost like two factions really subtly settling themselves up for war while the Imperium doesn't know what's happening. And then finally, when it all goes down, it's a real three-way fight, which I feel like is much more interesting than the kind of lip service that freedom gets. And it also means people like, for example, uh, like a lot of those space Marines that are not into chaos, but are like, we also realize the Imperium is awful. Yeah, I, I just think it'd make an interesting three-way fight. So you're almost suggesting that he unites with like the Black Shield factions in, in many ways, aren't you? So exactly, yeah, because that's one thing the Black the Black Shields lacked to make them a real, I don't know, I'd say like a real contender in the Horus Heresy, rather than just kind of like, I don't know, the equivalent of environmental effects. Yeah, mm. no, I like it. I, I I can see it playing out. I could, and it would create a real different edge to the heresy and the great and well and the great crusade itself. It would give a very different reflection on the development of the Imperium. Yeah, yeah. good. I like that one. Yeah. What, are the, what are the long term consequences of this? See, and that that I found was a little bit harder to predict because, in many ways, Lorgar going to chaos was actually less important important than the than like people like Arabon and Arabis and Corferon and um Typhon Callus already being tainted. Um so changing up the Primarchs doesn't change that up. But what it does change up is that 
it it takes that sane logistical strategic component of Horace's rebellion and it kind of takes it and puts it in its own side. Uh, the big question for me in terms of like is if Perturabo sticks with Horace, he still has that benefit, in which case I think it would just become a massive three-way slog, like a giant three-day th- uh, three-way throwdown. But if Horace or if the quote-unquote chaos side also lost Perturabo, I feel like chaos would actually be on the back foot. And then maybe, maybe, I think though that's actually worse for the Imperium. Because from my perspective, one of the strengths of the Imperium always had in the Horus Heresy is I don't think Chaos ever really wanted to destroy the Imperium as a whole. Because I think they got what they wanted. They got 10,000 years of awfulness. I completely agree. I think that this was the uh, the result they wanted. I actually believe the Cabal when they said that if Horus, uh, Horus needs to win for Chaos to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that's just a bunch of bullshit. I, I used to I used to get a, a, get into arguments with uh, when Mark was still regularly on the show. I used to get into arguments with him because he thought it was just a bunch of self serving aliens trying to destroy the Imperium. But I, I believe him. Yep. And, and look, we we know the result. Like in, in the prime timeline, we know the result. Mm-hmm. We we know this exactly what Chaos wanted. Yeah, I mean, and that was always I feel like one of the great tragedies of the Horus Heresy is the way they got Horus to, to to fall was to show him what would happen if yeah, he fell. To show him the prime timeline, exactly. So uh, yeah, I think I think it'd be I think chaos would still actually kind of like it this way because now you have an even bigger almost everlasting conflict as both sides of like so if you say okay here's like here's team freedom and here's team tyranny both sides are open to infiltration from chaos chaos can play both of them against each other and meanwhile, Chaos also has its own side for those folks who are like all in on the craziness. Hmm. What do you reckon, Miles? I mean, this is an interesting thought experiment because you can, given Logar's character traits, what if you dropped him, oh God, uh, on, on um, uh, what's the world Conrad Kurtz is on? Uh, Nostromo. What if you dropped him there? And oh my God, that'd be uh, amazing. Yeah. What kind of monster would you create then? Or what if you dropped him on Caliban? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you you drop him in any environment that has some manner of strong... I mean, Baal, I think, is a slightly sterile one to put him in because there's not a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, a Gilliman, I guess, would be a good equivalent because Gilliman did really take up his Connor's uh, co- uh, mantle and yeah. he did really become the embodiment of that. Uh, so I guess, I mean, of all the Primarchs, he mirrors Logar in that sense. But whatever culture he was put in, yeah, he would become the embodiment of that. Um, another thing you mentioned as well, that this third faction, and I was thinking about Imperium Secundus, Imperium Secundus and how much more interesting of a story arc that could have been if that uh, the Lion and Gilliman would have set up their own thing. Like uh, we know there's a conflict, we can't make it to the other side of the barrier. We are just going to fortify here, um, uh, and even if we could get across, I mean, this this is our thing now. We are our own faction. Um, so that that does feel like a big missed opportunity. Yeah, but yeah. that thought experiment, just dropping Logger into different cultures and seeing how he would would yeah, like you say, embody, take them on, and 
uh, I guess embody them like times ten. It's uh, that. That's why, like, it was easy. It was not easy, but it was like just that part of it is so enticing. Mm. But like as noted, like the the far flung effects are harder to predict. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, like so that's that's kind of my alternative heresy is yeah, I like that. What would what would happen if if Lorgar's true believerness was all about was actually all about you know freedom rather than landing on uh, cultures and getting the old uh, religious indoctrination? All right, uh, so uh, I guess it's time to judge this thing. I never feel comfortable doing it because <laughs> honestly, they're always very good, and you were usually profoundly torn. And, and and I would feel more comfortable just rolling a die to see who gets um, uh, the prize. Thankfully, this year, the prize is reasonable, unlike the year that we offered the Grandmaster Edition of Titanicus without looking at how much it cost, and it blew a hole in my budget. <laughs> that was so dumb. Yeah, let's, let's, off, let's yeah. offer this $400 box set with money. But we did have. get a lot of entries that year. Oh, we did get a lot of entries. I, I, not that much more. I don't think people are sending entries uh, for for a prize. I think uh, people. Um, I think everybody kind of enjoys this uh, this thing. And you know, you know what's um, the only thing that bothers me a little bit is I get so many emails and so many uh, Facebook messages from people. It's like I love alternate history. I wish I could. I, I I had something to send in. I don't have time, or I don't have this or that. Um, you have a year. All right, we're telling you right now. We're doing it again, probably late summer. We're we're behind on everything, but you know th- that's the kind of yeah. world we live in right now. But next summer we'll be doing alternate heresy. You have plenty of time to think of something, and 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 so uh, and figure something and, out and send us send us something send us something. Yeah, and we gave a month's notice. Oh yeah, we didn't do a great job. Uh, yeah. It's been it's been a, it's been a um, it's been a hectic time, if you will. But uh, so you got a year's notice, probably be like next August. We'll do alternate heresy again. You have plenty of time. Um, but uh, I don't think people are sending these in for a prize. Um, prize is nice, though. Everybody loves a prize. So let's decide who gets the prize. Uh, this is the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing because we got we to gotta, we gotta choose one out of six incredible entries. Um, let's go around the table and see what everybody's favorite is. Uh, Darren, do you have a favorite? Oh, I see. Comes, comes to me first. Fine, great. I'll, I'll, I'll take the first bullet. Yeah, take um, it. Brilliant. I, I'm kind of split between two. I'm really split between two. I really like Nick's modeling heresy um, just because I really like a lot of the themes and the ideas behind it and how you've got the modeling opportunities in it. it. Like you said, it really reminds me of the Dornian heresy and how that was put together. Uh, and I love how the legions are splitting that one between um, looking after the people and the Empress Tyranny. I, I love that. I also really like David's Lorgar heresy um, and how he's promoting the, the, the imperial faith, basically, what we would recognise in the 41st millennium. Um, and that's always a theme which is close to my heart. I've, I've always contemplated that with myself. Is, well, what if the Emperor had supported Lorgar's desire and wishes and allowed it to have free reign. So I, I'm split between those two at the moment. Uh, what about you, Miles? Yeah, I'm split between two. I I really love uh, Alex's entry because he sort of compounded his story with another, it, it, like JP says, fan fiction of fan fiction. So it's not only a deep lore exploration. But I never meant that pejoratively, by the way. Fan fiction's great. I mean, we, we all do it. Uh, the Heliferian ep- episodes are all fan fiction. That's what it is. Oh yeah, I mean, th- I mean, this to a large extent is, is fan fiction. Fan fiction is great; it, it gets us talking. Um, 
uh, yeah, it's, it's compounded. Uh, it's, just, it's a deep lore exploration combined with fan fiction. So I really like those two elements coming together. But yeah, uh, and the uh, uh, Nick's uh, entry with the modeling opportunities as well, because I think it's a it, it it's it's a wider array of uh, I guess of a topic to bring into the discussion. Uh, so those would be my two picks. Oh, that's rough. Um, I gotta say I'm torn as well. I think all the entries are fantastic. I love I love Graham's treatment of 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 the Emperor going the complete opposite direction. And and it's very similar again to what Nick did. Um, but uh, Nick went in a different like direction. Like Graham is very like lore heavy. Um we can expect him Graham. He's entered he's he's entered something in every single one. And and he actually won uh, uh the, 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 he won it two years ago. Uh so always, always great stuff. I, I really like how detailed it is. Uh I think Jonathan's entry is fantastic as well because that's how I wish it was. <laughs> I would go see that movie. Uh fantastic. Um um, and and Robert, of course, just like, uh, you, you, you know, you're you're the, the empire. I love the Empire of Iron, and I wish it was something that was more developed. So it's one of those things that, like, I wish that was the established lore, and I hope that it gets more detail. I really like the uh, the, the the ideas that were teased out, especially and the focus on the Iron Warriors. Um, everybody knows how to how, how to get me right. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm I'm absolutely torn. But like uh, the the one that I keep going back to is. Um, Nick's entry is the most create is is the most different one we've had. Um, it it is not as developed or detailed. I don't not as developed. It's not as detailed as like story wise, right? Because I still have questions. Okay, what's the result of all of this? You know, how can we push the story further? But the idea of uh, but I really like the idea of coming out and 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 going a step further and saying, okay, we're gonna do the standard legion, not the standard. We're gonna do like a legion switch, but I'm gonna explain like how this would be cool on the table tabletop. And for a very lore-centered podcast, a very lore-centered uh, uh, um, segment, I should say, uh, I, I think it's really interesting to to bring in the other aspects of the hobby that we really like. And and I will say that listening through uh, Nick's suggestions, like a lot of them were like, "Oh, cool! I could do that. That'd be fun." So um, again, I, I'm incredibly torn. Um, uh, uh, again, like all these entries have been absolutely fantastic. They have, but all three of us have mentioned one entry. Yeah, I, I noticed and, that and, as well. And that kind of brings that up to the fore, doesn't it? And we've and we've all kind of picked on it for slightly different reasons, but we've all picked it out. So for me, yeah, it's gone, it, Mars. It, it's a, it's a weird thing, isn't it? That uh, okay, it's not possibly the most technically developed, but it just chimes with something that that within us. Um, I mean, reviewing the previous entries, like the previous winners, they've stood out for different reasons, and this one stands out for a different reason. Uh, so I think that's why it, it, it sort of, well, chimes. Yeah, it's, uh, again, um, the, I had never thought of doing it, and I think that's one of the reasons that excites me, so, like Nick's entry uh, excites me so much, because I never thought someone would do that. That's really brilliant. That's really creative. And as we listen to it, we listen, and all this stuff that we listen to, we listen to it uh, cold, right? We didn't know yeah. what to expect from people just to, to be able to um, just get a feel from it. But it's like, that's the one I was just like, I, I was I was nodding along, like smiling. Just like, oh, this is cool. Um, and again, all the, all the answers are fantastic. And But this is the most different, a very creative, very, um, uh, I, 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 I think that might I think that might be the consensus uh, winner. Yeah, I, I could see myself putting together a, a force for that heresy. I, I could see me doing, for example, world eaters in like wraithbone armor. Oh, 
Oh, that'd be so cool, cool, wouldn't that? That'd be awesome. You see, okay. Uh, we, I, I think, I think we were all in agreement. Um, these were all fantastic entries, and this was this was a tough one. But I think uh, Nick did something just completely different, and and we uh, we have to applaud creativity and going a little bit outside the box. Um, uh, so I, I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. Yep. Nick, congratulations. Yeah, you are you are this year's a winner for the alternate heresy uh, competition. Um, even though like this is the part I hate the most, like because they're all good. And I wish I could, you know, I wish we didn't have to to actually like get a winner, but you know, that's what we decided to do. Uh so uh Nick, I'll I'll um after this episode drops, after you listen to this, uh, uh shoot me um a message uh um uh, and or or an email, and uh, we will get you sorted out for that limited edition and I'm pretty sure sold out uh Primark anthology. Yeah, you can't get in hardback any longer. Oh no, you can't get any of them in hardback anymore. It's it, nope. I thought that uh, I really thought they were going to keep publishing them, and then you know, thank God I bought the Pertorabo one. That's the only one I own. Anyways, Nick, congratulations! That was very creative, and now I'm really thinking of a Dark Mechanicum Iron Hands. <laughs> so you're thinking Dark Mechanicum Iron Hands. I'm oh, yeah. thinking Wraithbone World Eaters, uh, Cornet Blood Angels. Just you heard it here first. Keep keep an eye on the whole on the hobby challenge over the next few months. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's a universe that could stand to be uh, f- further further teased out. Um, I'll, I'll challenge you, Nick, for next year's alternate heresy uh, to tease that out a little bit more. I want to hear more about it. And and again, um, as uh, we're going to close it out, uh, but I just want to thank uh, everyone. I want to thank Graham, Jonathan, uh, Nick, um, uh, uh, Robert, uh, David, um, and and Alex for sending in entries uh we really really appreciate it. we had a blast doing this one of the reasons we love this segment so much we don't have to prepare much we just have to like just listen to the wonderful creativity out there of our listeners and of the community it's just a, it's just so much fun and we're incredibly grateful for everybody that sent some, something in and remember you have roughly 11 months to figure something up for the next one so everybody out there start start teasing your ideas out And welcome back to the two-week hobby challenge, where we catch up. Yes, this is the episode where we finally catch up with everything. Uh, So this is the hobby challenge that uh, runs from the 3rd to the 17th of September. And uh, there's some momentum building within the community with the podcast. Things are starting to get back into gear. So guys, what were your two-week triumphs? Well, what did you get up to these past couple of weeks? Uh, JP, um, I managed to get uh, an episode out uh, in 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 that two, in those two weeks, so that's pretty impressive. I got the Siege of Terra uh, episode out. Um, oh no, I didn't. That was the two weeks before. So I got sorry. Um, I, I got to remember what I did in these two weeks. Um, so that ended yesterday. Okay, so I got most of episode 119 done. So that should be dropping after we record this, like in a couple of days. Um, and and uh, I played a game yesterday, so I'm considering that as Ooh. hobby because I've I've only played two games this whole year, um. So I'm ca- I'm counting that as hobby because it was it was fun. Yeah, perhaps we should broaden out the definition of this to playing games as well. Because well, I think generally, well, what, yeah, hobby is gaming as much as painting, isn't it? So yeah, I don't want to find that. I, I want to be over- motivated to paint without the games in between. I, I need the games as motivation to get stuff stuff done. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, my, 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 my project's been kind of stagnating. They, they do tend to do that, I will admit. But yeah, 
played a game yesterday and now I'm like super stoked again. I actually, uh, after the game, I got home and started working on my Night Lords again, which I had put aside for a couple weeks. Um, so um, yeah, I uh, played a game against our good friend Alex from the uh, Death of Material podcast. Uh, he had sent in an entry uh, for our, uh, um, uh, for the, the, the competition. Um, so yeah, I, and we'll be talking about, because uh, I don't want to do it today. We're short on time, but uh, next episode, I'll talk a little bit of the game because it was, it was pretty wild. Well, yeah, I worked on I, I I worked on the podcast and um um played a game and I'll I'll consider that a successful two week hobby challenge. Again, uh, we've lowered the standards for myself at least. Uh, <laughs> I consider and Darren, that. Let, let, let's uh, raise the tone a little bit. Well, to be fair, not much for me because it's for first two weeks of term, so I managed to get a bit in, but um, it's been busy. Let's say the reaction page job has been busy, but I did manage to get um, a little bit more done on the Havocs. So I started blocking in the, well, I finished blocking in the yellow for some of the hazard stripes. I hate the yellow, I, but this is the last set I'm going to be doing for a long time. So it's almost there. Uh, and I also wanted a bit of a break from the Iron Warriors because I was feeling a bit meh with them. So I also um, put in the first block of trim on the night panels or the last set of night panels I've been building on with my night ethic and Christorus night. So just put the first layer down on that. So a little bit, but it's keeping it going. I'm ticking over. Nice. How about yourself, Miles? Uh, for myself, I finished off the core of a redemptionist gang, uh, the classical metal miniatures. So I've got the core done. I need to do the leader. I need to do some cherubs and uh, just like the ancillary things that, that come with a gang now. I, I, my gang leader, he's not the most savory of characters. Uh, he has four brides. So I'm using the old um, uh, Sister Repentia miniatures to represent his his wives with chain swords. Uh, yeah, so the, the core of the gang is done. I just need to work on those extra little bits to round it off into a full, fully playable force. Did, yeah, you, so say they were, did you say they were metal ones? Yes. Yeah. Have they chipped yet? <laughs> they're in the pre-coating stage uh, uh, uh but yes yes oh they have god I, I, already. Yeah, I pulled out my i pulled out my metal of Hounds yesterday for for the game that i played and it's like half of them are chips like what the hell like <laughs> they come out twice a year and somehow they still get damaged yeah so the, the way i've painted the redemptionists uh they're not display standard by any means because of that i'll pour all this time and effort into them and they'll just chip to pieces in between games even if I magnetize them, just handling them will chip them up. Uh, th there's a lot of disadvantages when it comes to resin and plastic, but on the whole, I much prefer using it than the metal because of that very reason. I will say one thing, though. They, they feel good. They have good weight to them. I, I like the weight to them when you're playing. It feels... Yeah, but with uh, Necromunda, you are required to face your miniatures face down. and, and uh, So, again, that adds to the chipping factor of them. But anyway, enough griping about metal miniatures or, or talking about the, the heft of them. Steve Sainden has almost done with a couple of Reavers uh, from House Mortis. I think there's a little bit of marbling on that red, which I'm always a super big fan of. Uh, and they are, uh, yeah, they just look superb. Red, white, and black. Can't go wrong. And they've done in very uh, well-painted fashion, Steve. Very, very nice. Uh, Peter Davey, top fan, working on bikes. 34 Blood Angel bikes. Holy God, I've been seeing this project coming together. And, oh, uh, they look yeah, gorgeous. That, yeah, that red is really striking against the black. Uh, get, get in touch with me. I'd, I'd love to see the list and what your thinking is behind this. Actually, post it up in the comments 
in the next two week, two week uh, hobby challenge because I'd I'd love to see the list and your thoughts on it. Uh, we have Keith Townsend. So I've been uh, this is a student of mine. I've been helping him paint his Sons of Horus recently for an upcoming event, and he's just finished off his magnum opus, the Abaddon and Loken. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. Like the shades, the complexity, the the uh, uh, color scheme. Yeah, it's all starting to come together for you, Keith. Absolutely gorgeous. I see he went with a, a green Abaddon and not a black Abaddon. Uh, green Abaddon. Uh, it's a black Abaddon. Do you mean Logan? No, Abaddon. Abaddon uh, is looking... Um, is he in the sea green? No, he's in black. Oh. Um, so with the Just Aaron recipe, I do encourage students to use a little bit of uh, Inkeby Darkness to have that green reflection to it. Oh, I see. Great work. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's so nice. Uh, and then it plays off against the red, and it also feeds into sort of like the imagery of the, the uh, Sons of Forest Legion by having that green tinge to the black. Uh, because we all know when we paint in black, just painting in black and white and shades of grey is boring. You need that colour influence to give it that little zip. Uh, Stuart Ben, adding some HQs. They built but haven't got a picture yet. Make sure you get a picture up. Um, yeah, those Imperial Fist uh, Praetors, eh? Yes. The, the Chunky uh, Boys. I, I am going to give myself a little bit of a plug here. Sorry, guys. Uh, the uh, Praetor, we are doing a, uh, a, a paint-along session by the Patreon. So every two weeks, we'll be releasing a video. Uh, and I'll be encouraging students to paint within that two weeks up until the stage where the next video launches. I'm trying to introduce more interactive elements alongside for, for students so we could get more of a community rolling thing because we're painfully aware that we can't bring, not everyone can attend the courses, especially us running them in the UK. So we're trying to bring the courses as much as possible to you guys. Uh, but that's it. Sorry, pl plug over with, plug over with. Part one went up this, this weekend, really pleased with it. Uh, and, and for a miniature, that's this good. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to see the results we were able to get off it. Anyway, Stu uh, Milne, uh, some freehand murals for the night. <laughs> oh, that some... is awesome. So That's maybe such a wonderful it idea. Go ahead. Uh, so it's essentially two hands, one, mechan one mechanical uh, hand and, and one human hand kind of like meeting in the middle, like uh, like that that classic painting by Lee Runner. No. Um, oh, who is it by? Because it's in Sistine Chapel, it's for creation. Yeah, it's Michael, that would be Michelangelo. Sorry, uh, yeah. So, the two, two like thing, and the fingers are touching. That's so cool. That is such a great, great idea. Yeah, well executed as well. Well done, Stu. Uh, Jonathan Strudgell, Reavers for my mech, Sons of Horus Force. Very nice. Um, oh, Keith Townsend, he's also painted a 3k Imperial Fist Army in just over a week. Yeah, freaking superb. Uh, we've been talking about speed painting techniques and he wanted to see how quickly he'd be able to produce an army and yellow being such a hard colour to do. We went with uh, Imperial Fist. He managed to do it as well, unbelievably, and, and play in the tournament at the end of it. Uh, Sarah Elwood got small, in, in uh, quotation marks, game in and started painting my champion. Very, very, very nice. Game counts. We just said it. Yeah, yep. games do count. Steve... I mean, uh, Stefan, sorry, Hillman, has created a ziggurat of Osirian dreadnoughts. <laughs> cool. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. Is that a mortificator? 
in there. Is I, that is I that actually so. two modificators with their little um, dreadnought bodyguards? I think so. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love seeing lists like that. They'll, they'll go against the the, the typical. Uh, okay, Sean Gray working on this as well. I'm within. Oh, using the blood and skull. In, okay, so blood this is a land. Yeah, this is yeah. a Mark II land raider <coughs> with. Uh, that's not a Mark II land raider. Sorry, that's Proteus. So Proteus. Yeah, it's Proteus with um with the blood and skull industry tracks the really evil ones. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do spike ones? I should have done that. That's great. I might steal that. Good idea. It's not too late. Ian Weber, a set of big guns for a big tank, and they are huge. Big, big guns. You're not compensating for anything yet. Uh, Sarah Elwood. Oh, here's the champion. Uh, uh, was it here? Uh, here he is. Champion Griffin, Power of the Blade. I need more lore for this boy. Okay, develop it alongside us. Whack it up and we can help. Uh, Fourth Legion reinforcements from Per Odin Hansen. JP, would you like to comment? Oh, that's gorgeous. That's a, that's a Cestus Assault pod, which uh, mm-hmm. you're lucky to have. That's worth yeah. That's worth its weight in gold now. <laughs> um, oh, jump pack, Thunderhammer. Uh, I'm assuming Praetor or Champion, and and some just five just bare bones kick ass Terminators. Love it, wonderful work. Love to see uh, Fourth Legion, uh, yeah, more nice assault oriented, faster or uh, um, uh, um, uh, Fourth Legion army. You know, it doesn't just need to be tanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, atypical armies. That that's what we want to see. Absolutely. Uh, okay, Necromunda stuff and the termite. Uh, sorry, from Hil- uh, Philip Hansen. Necromunda stuff. I'm right there with you, Philip. A termite for HH event on the weekend. Two redemptionists. Oh, a man after my own heart. Uh, so he's using the new plastic redemptionist that he's been painting. Looking very, very, very nice. Uh, ooh, Peter King also working on these now the word bearers are done. So he is starting up a Dark Angels force. And there's quite a bit of Calibonite green included, which is really nice to see. Uh, we have Paul Spuddy Shaw working on some Imperial Fists. Ignore the Mechanicum there. It was a group shot for a possible list. That's a killer list. Brutal. Yeah, killer list. Uh, Chris Page, top fan. Didn't match again, he done. Um, no box of shame, Chris, because you sent us pictures of dogs. Yeah, there's two dogs there. Like, how could that be shame? If anything, you won this phase. Yeah. Get well this man done. a prize. Well done, Chris, for winning. Uh, Michael Mulhall uh, Rose. Uh, just jump back into the game with Terranborn uh, Mordieu Bruduis. Is that how it's pronounced? I hope that's how it's pronounced. And the Warriors of the Seventh Household. So these are some upscaled Black Templars or Templar Brethren for the Imperial Fists using the uh, Plague Marine bodies. Yeah, Plague Marine bodies. Very nice work. Um, yeah, really nice. Really, really nice. Uh, Anthony Little. Painting my second Triaros. Uh, it was quicker to build, uh, sorry, quicker to paint uh, than it was to build. Like, never many, had, for, like many Forge Roll kits. Never had the pleasure. It's a rad uh, kit. The Triaros is a rad kit. It's looking gorgeous. Looking gorgeous, Anthony. Uh, okay, Stephen Hillman uh, has some, uh, what are these? Recon. The Recon, Recon Marines. Yeah. Recon Marines for the a Thousand Suns. Thousand Suns, yeah. The color shift cloaks are really nice. So, if you look at the cloaks, guys, uh, it picks up on green. I think he's used a, a color shift paint on them. Look fantastic, yeah. love it. 
Yeah, Anders Friedrichsen, goddammit, Facebook, I get no notifications. Yeah, that's a huge problem with uh, Facebook now, unfortunately. Um, Okay, I've finished Lord Croak in the Warsong Revenant. That is a hell of a kit. Gorgeous marbling on it as well. Oh, yeah, that's... I didn't even... I've never even seen this model, Lord Croak. Yes, it's the new iOS one. It's really nice. There's, There's so much potential conversion material from that kit. It's amazing. Mm. And look at the greens on the Warsong Revenant. Great work. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really yeah, good is fantastic. Uh, right. Uh, David Collin, Much is getting some love. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Mulch is getting some love. So this is a Demon Herald. Yeah, I think he's using some contrast on there. Looking very, very, very nice. Uh, Tanel Valtson threw together a quick Space Wolf, Lone Wolf uh, conversion uh, using... Uh, was it the the Primaris Lieutenant in Phobos armor? Yeah, that looks very strong. Really nice. Tom Gould, 35 clan rats. Keep blasting through them. Keep blasting through them, Tom. Uh, we have Craig Badolf. Uh I don't know what they are. Oh, those are... Uh, oh, what the hell? What is this, yeah, Craig? I have, I have uh, no idea. Those... The square-based... Yeah, I think those are um, Maidens of the Everqueen. No. Aren't they? No, I don't think they are. I think it's from a different game system. I think it's uh, like from a historical game system, maybe. Sorry, Craig. Yeah, explain, uh, explain yourself, Craig. They, they look great, but no idea what they are. Uh, well, the and that base. was our two-week hobby challenges for the dates 3rd to 17th of September. Cool. Excellent. So uh, what are we doing in the next episode? Campaigns. It's the fall of campaigns. We're starting our overview of looking at um, some different campaign systems for 30K and Titanicus. I think we're going to start off with Thramus because the Thramus campaign system has some very interesting mechanics, which kind of reflect the um, devastation of an Astartes campaign in a system rather than leaving it complete and whole. It kind of explores how everything goes to pot over time. Absolutely. We should call it the autumn. Like fall of campaign just means like the campaign. It just sounds weird. It sounds weird to my ears. We should say autumn of campaigns. That's fine because it's the correct way to describe it anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're doing campaigns. <laughs> and then Tales of Heresy, we're finally, finally going to get started with the Salamander's arc we said we were going to start doing weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to start reading Deathfire. We also lied when we said we were going to do Old Earth because it uh, turns out we've never done Deathfire. Uh, we completely skipped it, and I feel terrible. So to all those th- Salamanders uh, uh, players out there, Salamanders fans, I apologize. You're going to get a ton of Salamanders uh, content in the next few weeks because there's a lot of books that we haven't done. So this was episode 120, the alternate heresy spectacular. For 2021 almost at 2020 um and as usual thanks for listening <laughs>